When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast, a bi-weekly show for eco-conscious minimalist parents. On today's show, I am answering a listener question all about eco-anxiety, This question came all about how I manage eco-anxiety in my own life as I read these dire news headlines. Another one came out just a few weeks ago when the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change from the United Nations released a report saying that we are at a code red for humanity, and that is a direct quote from their report. Another direct quote from the paper that sent my anxiety through the roof was, quote, the alarm bells are deafening and the evidence is irrefutable. Greenhouse gas emissions from fossil fuel burning and deforestation are choking our planet and putting billions of people at immediate risk. That's a direct quote from the UN Secretary General. So I received an email about how I deal with my climate anxiety. And I should say that the writer of the email did not give me permission to use her name. So this will be an anonymous email. Here's the email. Hi, I have struggled with climate anxiety for a while, even before it was really brought to light. I was wondering, how do you not let it affect you? I try to have a positive outlook on the climate crisis and say that we can still fix it. But sadly, that's not how anxiety works. I also just saw how water is starting to become a problem and that cocoa and gas will run out and electricity will run out. All of this is taking its toll. How do you not get stopped by it? Can we still fix the climate? Thank you. Okay, so thank you, anonymous person, for writing to me. I should say I struggle with anxiety in general, so I am particularly susceptible to debilitating eco-anxiety. I do feel it. I feel it often. But I have learned a few things about myself and about its management over the years that keep the debilitating stuff at bay. So I'm going to give you my best tips. And I should say these tips are very personal. They're not glossed over by any means. These are very specific tips to me. And I hope that by being so personal, I can help hopefully some of you who are suffering. For me, number one, the best antidote to my eco-anxiety is action. Joan Baez famously said that action is the antidote to despair, and I find that to be true in my own life. Action in my life is this podcast. 
but it's also learning and teaching myself all the skills I need to pass on to my children for when the electricity might run out, for when society may collapse, etc. It's about stockpiling certain items like water and food in case of an emergency. It's about staying informed. It's about being vigilant. It's about growing my own food and learning how to can it. It's about doing all these things that I can to hopefully prepare my family as best as possible. We're not going to be fully prepared, but preparing ourselves more, learning the skills I need now to be slightly more prepared for later. And key here is teaching my children these skills. Action for me goes further than teaching skills to my kids and teaching skills for myself too, though. Action also means thinking less about action in terms of personal choices and instead framing action in terms of joining movements and protesting peacefully and calling members of your governmental body. Personal choice actions like reducing, reusing, recycling, or picking up litter, or eating plant-based, these personal actions are fine, and I talk about them an awful lot on this podcast, primarily because personal choice is something we all have control over. But personal choice actions are likely not going to solve the climate crisis, right? And I should say here that, in fact, the personal choice options that have been pushed on us since the 90s, or perhaps even earlier, but I'm a child of the 90s, so I really remember growing up hearing about reducing, reusing, recycling, turning off the water, uh, bringing your tote bag to the supermarket, all those personal choice items That messaging has actually been deliberately pushed on consumers by industries with the goal of ferreting public attention away from industry regulation. Dr. Samantha McBride in her research called Recycling Reconsidered actually labeled this deliberate messaging strategy. She labeled it busyness. And I'll link to her text in the show notes if you're interested. But essentially, the idea is we're all busy making the right personal choices that we don't have time then to protest or call our representatives or stand up for legislative action. The point I'm making here, or the point I'm trying to make, I should say, is that individual consumer choices are not going to stop climate change. Think about last year, for example, when all of us were essentially forced to stay home. We stopped flying. We drastically cut back on our driving due to the pandemic. And yes, global carbon emissions did fall temporarily, but they only fell about six-ish percent. The other 94-ish percent is baked into industry and agriculture and infrastructure, right? So all of us, we only made a 6% difference. We need not personal choices, but we need systemic policy change. And policy change only happens when we get organized, when we organize social movements. So if you need help getting started, if you are ready to start thinking about action in terms of formal organized social movements, perhaps even though you don't even know where to start, it sounds good, but you don't even know how to join, (laughs) know that in my book, I have an entire chapter. The last chapter is how you can take your eco-anxiety and turn it into climate-positive action. So quick plug for my book there. 
If you're not interested in reading my book, I should also say I've done two episodes on this topic before. I did one specifically on eco-anxiety. That was episode number 87. And another one on eco-madness, which is episode number 156. So I will link to my book and these two episodes in this week's show notes. If you are interested in taking your eco-anxiety and using action as an antidote, I do believe, as I say in my book, that it's really important for you to know your skill set and use your unique God-given skills as you determine how to best act. Now, I should also say here, too, that for me personally, I have a unique coping mechanism. And maybe it's unique, maybe it's not. I'm not quite sure if everybody does this or if it's just me. But I should say that whenever anything goes wrong in my life, whether it's a trauma, whether it's a death of a loved one, whether it's impending climate doom, or I should say impending climate apocalypse, to quote the scientists. But whenever something goes wrong in my life, my survival mechanism tends to be that I put this negative feeling or trauma in a box, and then I store that box far away in the recesses of my brain. I don't do it intentionally. I just do it. It's an unconscious survival mechanism, I would say. The anxiety is still there. The feeling still seeps out of the box. I still feel it, but it's more of a slow trickle. There's a separation there. The box gives the separation that enables me to continue on with my life. This boxing away of emotions is both a blessing and a curse, I would say. It's a curse because boxing up these emotions keeps me a little bit detached. But it's definitely also a blessing because this boxing away of what's debilitating keeps me moving forward. I've actually learned to lean into this mental survival mechanism over time because without it, I'm not sure that some days I'd be able to function. So I use my emotion boxing as a superhero power almost. It's a way of keeping myself moving forward and hopefully moving forward for the common good. Now, anonymous writer, your last question was whether we can fix climate change. To answer this, I must defer to the climate scientists who have made it their life's work studying our changing climate. And they say that, yes, we can change climate change. We can reverse the clock. But I think your question there is asking whether we will, whether we will fix the climate. And while we can, I'm not sure we will. But I do believe that humans are incredibly adaptive. We've made it this long, right? And I also believe that each of us brings a unique skill to solving the climate problem. Letting my eco-anxiety take over will not help solve the problem, but using my podcast platform to reach listeners who perhaps may have never even thought about the planet before, maybe just enable me to do my small part to help contribute to the solution. So I hope this helps somewhat. There are no easy answers when we're talking about impending climate apocalypse and the eco-anxiety that so many of us feel every time we turn on the news. There are no easy fixes to problems this big. I will say I would love to hear from all of you listeners about how you get up every morning, how you manage. If you're tuning into this podcast, you are environmentally 
leaning, <laughs> right? You care. So how do you do it? How do you get up? How do you not find yourself bowled over every single day? I'd love to hear from you. Give me your best tips and I'll put them in another episode. I will see you on Tuesday for your regularly scheduled interview. Reach out, say hello, perhaps leave this podcast a friendly little review if you are receiving benefit. Tell a friend if you're receiving benefit. See you on Tuesday and take care. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.